this morning, just accept God's love. No matter where you're at in life, know that he loves you desperately. And respond to that love this morning. Come on. our hope and our trust and know that we can sing words that say let hope rise and darkness tremble at your holy light God this morning Father we bring ourselves, we bring our hearts we bring our lives, we bring everything that may be distracting us and we lay it out there before your feet we confess that we love you but that we can't do it without you so this morning God we give everything 
Father, we don't want to hold anything back. That as we sing this song, as we live our lives, we don't want to hold back from you, God, because you don't hold back from us. May you be blessed as we sing this song to honor you, Jesus. And it's with everything we have that we sing. Sing it out, church. Open our eyes. Open our eyes. Come on, you know the song. Sing it out. To be the things that make your heart cry. To be the church. To be the church that you would desire. A light to be seen. A light to be seen. Sing it out. Break down our pride. All the walls that we built up inside. Everything we have, we lay at your feet, oh God. Just lift your hands in honor to him right now. Just lift your hands in thankfulness to him. Just lift high his name right now. We proclaim your name, Jesus. Above all others, we give you everything. With hands held high, sing this out with everything. Come on. With everything. Sing it out. Church, give him praise.
Father, we pray and ask that you help us to be people who uh, in our hearts are truly committed to you, and that's what flows out into our life. And God, I know that we, none of us, really want to be a people who honor you just with our lips and our hearts are far from you. So help us more than ever to lock into the amazing truths that have come from the Sermon on the Mount now. We ask this in Jesus' name, amen. Uh, whenever anybody pretends to be something, and then that's not who they really are, it can actually be something that would cause that person to look foolish. I uh, know some of you have heard before about a particular woman that uh, took her family and she moved to a new area because of some things that occurred in her life. She got very involved in her church. She was a bank president. She tried to get involved in the community. And, and while she felt very successful in her life, it seemed like the, that there were a particular group of women who were actually uh, very prominent in the church and prominent in the community who always seemed to do things to let her know that she was not a good enough mom, to uh, make her feel like she just wasn't able to keep her act together. And she had never felt like that before. And she made a goal, a very clear goal, I want to win these women over. Well, it came to a time where the school was having a bake sale, and her daughter walked in on about 11 at night and said, Mom, where's the cake you promised for the bake sale? And she realized, oh my gosh, I didn't make it. I mean, life had been hectic. She had forgotten to do it. So she decided to get up at like 3 in the morning and get the cake going. And that way she'd have enough time to frost it and get her daughter out to school. So she wakes up at 3. She's dead tired. She puts the cake in the oven. And then the next morning when she wakes up as the timer's going off, she opens the oven and her heart just sinks. The cake has fallen in the center. She doesn't have any time to make a change. And she thought, I can't send my daughter without a cake. It'll be another time that the women will begin to think, I just don't know what I'm doing and I'm not a good enough mom. 
So she tried to decide how to make it, and she decided at the last second, I know what I'll do, and she grabbed a roll of toilet paper. She stuck it in the center of the cake, and she did an incredible job frosting it so you couldn't see it. As a matter of fact, she went to extreme measures to make the cake look better than ever. And then she told her daughter, she said, I'm going to drop this off at the bake sale. Here's $50. You make sure you're the first one in line and you buy my cake. Don't let anybody else get this. You get there early. I can't have anybody else get this cake. So what happened is she's sitting at her desk. Her phone rings and she picks it up. And her daughter said, Mom, I, I promise I was there early. I was the first one to walk in the room. I don't know what happened. The cake wasn't there. And she said, what? She goes, yeah, it wasn't there. And now her heart sunk again. She was afraid maybe somehow the, the toilet paper had been exposed or they figured it out and they pulled the cake. And she thought, oh, man, I'm going to be so embarrassed. I'm going to have to face those women when they, they confront me on this. And, and so all day it just started eating at her and eating at her. Well, that night she was also supposed to go to a bridal shower for a girl in the church that was getting married that everybody loved. She was the daughter of the mayor. And so she goes to the bridal shower and they're all sitting there and the house is gorgeous. And, and the woman who was running the, the bridal shower was the woman who tended to be her nemesis. And she made a few comments at her and she just sat there trying to slough it off, wondering, you know, if she could just get through the night and, and, and get home. And, and then it came time for dessert. And the woman who owned the house came walking out with her cake. And she looked at it and she thought, oh my gosh, no, no, no. And she was just about to jump up and intercede and try to get the cake out of there when the mayor, the mayor's wife, looked up and said, oh, that cake is incredible. And, and the woman who, who was putting on the party said, I know, I baked it myself. Well, sometimes in life we end up being exposed. Sometimes in life, we end up having to pay a price for pretending something we're not. And God is calling for you and I to be people who always and constantly are people of our integrity and we're authentic. Uh, it seems like authenticity is the new cry today. It used to be everybody talked about the experience economy. Now what's being talked about is the authentic economy. People value authenticity at a level they never have before. But Jesus has. He's always wanted this. He's always desired this in our life. And that's why when Jesus talks about the blessed life, he talks about us being people who are for real. That we don't put on a show. We don't pretend we're something we're not. And in Matthew chapter 6, verse 1, it says, Beware of practicing your righteousness before men to be noticed by them. Beware of practicing your righteousness before men to be noticed by them. Otherwise, you have no reward with your Father who's in heaven. So when you give to the poor, do not sound the trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, so they may be honored by men. Truly, I say to you, they have their reward in full. But when you give to the poor, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving will be in secret. And your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. When you pray, you're not to be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and on the street corners so that they will be seen by men. Truly, Jesus says, I say to you, they have the reward in full. But when you pray, go into the inner room and close the door and pray to your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. There's no reward by God for those who play a part and play a role and put on a front. God's great calling is that we are people who inwardly and outwardly are for real. And so Jesus begins the words by saying this, beware. 
Beware that we're not putting on the show. Beware that we're not pretending we're something we're not. Beware that we're not doing things just so people will notice us. Beware that we're not those kind of people. Beware that you're not practicing your righteousness before men to be noticed by them. The danger of practicing our righteousness so other people will see is something the Pharisees were constantly doing. And that's why later on in his ministry, Jesus, when the popularity of his ministry began to grow and the crowds began to come, he said something very interesting. In Luke chapter 12, verse 1, it says, under these circumstances, now notice what the circumstances are. After so many thousands of people had gathered together that they were stepping on one another, he began saying to the disciples, first of all, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy. Don't miss what Jesus is saying. He said, I understand we're getting more people than we ever have before. Where there were hundreds, now there's thousands. And, and he looked around and he saw the incredible danger in a moment like that of people beginning to move from being people of integrity and really being for real in their faith to now all of a sudden putting on a front. And, and the great call of God is beware of the leaven of the Pharisees. Leaven is like a, a yeast that, that, that actually begins to grow and grow and grow, and it begins to infect everything around it. And the leaven of the Pharisees was hypocrisy. You and I need to beware of that today. The church needs to beware of that today. And Jesus is calling out with an extreme danger warning, beware, 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 because this will ruin you. It will ruin God's blessing in your life. It will ruin our effectiveness and who we are. Nobody, nobody likes it when someone's a hypocrite. It seems like that's one of the greatest insults of all. And yet everybody, if we get honest, we are in danger of committing a sin called hypocrisy. I'm in danger of it and you're in danger of it. And what we need to do is beware of it. Watch for it starting to rear its ugly head in our life and, and causing us to try to act like somebody we're not. The idea of the word hypocrite comes from the, the fact that the word hypocrisy or hypocrite is someone who actually played a part. In Greek dramas, they would actually wear big masks and they would project a voice out that wasn't even theirs. And Jesus says, I don't want you to put on a mask and I don't want you to try to project yourself as somebody you're not. And the danger again is that can happen. I think that one of the things that we ask all the time on our church staff and our leadership here is are we being for real? When the office doors close up there and we're all behind them, are we talking to each other in Christ-like ways? Are we treating each other in Christ-like ways? Are we people who talk about prayer and then we're praying? Are we people who talk about loving and we're loving in that setting? And there's a danger when that happens that we kind of start wanting to act like somebody we're not. I hope that when I act out here and walk out here that I'm the same person right now that I am when I'm at home with Pam or when I'm with my kids or my grandkids and they don't see me as two different people. And I hope you and I are that way. I, I think without a doubt when churches begin to grow and we begin to see thousands of people come, there's a danger that we actually walk out here wanting sometimes very often to be somebody who pleases everybody around us. And, and if we start asking this question, did people like what we did? Well, that can be a problem. We've got to ask the question, are we for real? There's a church in Atlanta that, that began to almost make fun of themselves. And, and maybe in reality, if we aren't careful, it could be too true of us. And, and there's a video that's being shown all over the internet. And if you haven't seen it, we want you to see it. Because Sunday, Sundays are never meant to be a show. You can't stop it. It's coming to a town near you. It used to be called contemporary. Some call it relevant. We're so cool, we call it 
Contempervent. Young hip guy welcoming all with graffiti and cool glasses. I welcome everybody with arms wide open, revealing my tattoo so you know I have a past. Quirky transition to band. Invite everyone to stand. Let's do it. This is the song that everyone knows. It's the song that everyone knows. I just want to invite the ushers up as we prepare for our offering. Hmm. Feel free to give if you feel led. It's between you and God, but we're tracking it. One man has all the answers. I have all the answers. Showing a picture of a puppy and or a baby from an impoverished third world nation. Speaking softly to draw you in. And then emphatically, driving home my point. On pause. Whispering. Repetition. Still pausing. Pained expression. Long prayer so that the worship leader can get back on stage. This is the closing song with strings that'll make you cry. Coming soon to your town, a new kind of church. You will be lifted high and challenged to grow. We call that Grotivation. You call this Sunday morning. I remember when I first saw that video, I thought, oh my gosh, that almost seems too much like us, especially when I saw the table of the pastor. Um, and I, I, we got to ask that question. You know, we put a lot of time in planning, so Sundays will hopefully be incredible, but why? And, and God is always wanting to know our motivation. He's wanting to know, when we walk out here, is it so we can please people or please him? Uh, uh, when we stand and worship and pray, are we doing it so that everybody else here likes it or we're bringing people into the throne of God? Are we doing it to be noticed by men? Jesus' great cause that you and I would never do that. That would never be who we are. And, and God's desire is that we're not that way. Um, I've shared with you before that, you know, when I walk around, I'm always wearing this mic. And two weeks ago, what happened is the mic was left on in the family room. So everybody sitting in the family room heard every word I said from what happened between the 9 o'clock service and the 11 o'clock service. And, and here's the thing. Someone was running around trying to find me, so I would quit blasting in there. And when they got to me, they go, oh, my gosh, your mic's on. And in my mind, I started replaying everything I said. 
And uh, the good news is there was nothing on that day I, I had to be embarrassed of. Do you ever wonder what would happen if you uh, had a mic on and everybody always heard what you said? They always heard the kind of person you really are when, when you think no one else is listening. Well, God hears. And that's one reason that God says, I'm going to judge you one day for every idle word you speak because out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. God looks at our hearts. He wants to know who we really are. And if we're walking around uh, pretending to be one person just to be noticed by them, but that's not who we really are, that's when Jesus has a problem with us. And he had a problem with the Pharisees for that. He said, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees. So Jesus says in Matthew 23, verses 1 to 12, it says, Jesus spoke to the crowds and to his disciples saying, the scribes and the Pharisees have seated themselves in the chair of Moses. Therefore, all they tell you to do, you do and observe, but do not do according to their deeds. For they say things, but they don't do them. They just put on a show. Verse 4 says, they tie heavy burdens and lay them on men's shoulders, but they themselves are unwilling to move them, so much as with a finger. But they do all their deeds to be noticed by men. They love to broaden their phylacteries and lengthen the tassels on their garments. They love the place of honor at the banquet and chief seats in the synagogues and respectful greetings in the marketplace and being called rabbi by men. But do not, do not be called rabbi, for only one is your teacher, and you are all brothers. And do not call anyone on earth your father, for one is your father, he who is in heaven. And do not be called leaders, for one is your leader, and that is the Christ. But the greatest among you shall be a servant, and whoever exalts himself shall be humbled, and whoever humbles himself shall be exalted. The Lord says, I don't want you walking around wanting titles. Now, I don't want you to walk around wanting the applause of people. I don't want you walking around trying to be noticed by people and just kind of putting on a front. But the reality is that we're not honoring him with our heart and living it in a humble way. God's great desire. He says, beware that you don't do the righteousness you do so people will think you're something you're not. God's great desires, you and I would have amazing integrity. Jesus really hammers this home in Matthew 23, verses 25 to 28, when he says, woe to the scribes and the Pharisees, you're hypocrites. For you clean the outside of the cup and of the dish, but inside you're full of robbery and self-indulgence. Inside you're self-indulging. Inside you're always wanting to take something. You're not someone who gives and loves and cares. And he goes, you blind Pharisee, first clean the inside of the cup and the dish so the outside may become clean also. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees and hypocrites, for you are like whitewashed tombs which are on the outside you appear beautiful, but inside you're full of dead men's bones and all uncleanness. So you too outwardly appear to be righteous to men, but inwardly you're full of hypocrisy and lawlessness. Jesus had a problem with the Pharisees. It's interesting, he had, had the greatest problem with them uh, uh, than in any other particular group. More than Romans, uh, more than the Sadducees who were very liberal. He had a problem with people who pretended to be religious and pretended to be right with God and, and did it in such a way that they even caused heavy burdens to be put on people and harmed them in great ways, but they weren't in and of themselves for real. And that, that problem of the Pharisee, the leaven of the Pharisee is alive and well today. 
And there probably, if we got really honest, there aren't a whole lot of us that couldn't get caught up into that and moved into that kind of a lifestyle. It's not what God wants. He wants us to be real. He wants the church to be real. And he says, I don't want you walking around praying so people will notice, but you're not praying for real. I don't want you going around saying, oh, I'm helping the poor just so you'll get uh, noticed. He says, I want you to do it for real. And, and that's his great desire that you and I would have that attitude. And we would do it because we love God. And we would do it for the right reasons. That's what God desires for us. Beware, beware, because not everyone is real. Now, I want to point that out, is we need to understand that a lot of people are hurt by people in churches, but you need to understand that not everybody who says they're a Christian is a Christian. Whether they're a pastor, an elder, uh, a church member, uh, the reality is, is lots of people say they're one thing and they're not. The Pharisees said they were right with God and pretended to be and even were the leaders of their day. But the reality, Jesus said, is they weren't for real. And, and there was a great harm and pain caused by that. And we see that all the time. We see it happening in many, many places. Uh, we see it uh, uh, when it happens to the girl who's dating a guy who says he's a Christian and then he behaves any way but. And she starts hurting and being upset and she goes, I thought Christian guys were different. Why did she think he was a Christian guy? Uh, it can be hurt by the professor at a Christian college who, who all of a sudden starts espousing things that are anything but what the essentials of the gospel are. And you thought, I thought this Christian college was different, and it should be. But why are we always so sure that that professor's a Christian? Uh, it can happen by the church attender, too. Um, I want to tell you that recently we started training a girl to be our receptionist, and one of our pastors, Dan Pierce, sat with her, and he began to give her a warning. He said, I want you to know we're so excited to have you. And she was gushing and beaming that she gets to do this. He says, I just want to prepare you for how mean-spirited people can be when they walk through those doors. She was shocked. She was, she was hurt. When the day ended, she went to him and said, it's true. Now, I don't think and you don't think that it's right that someone would walk in and treat our receptionist in a horrible way. And I want to tell you, it hurt her badly that that would happen in a church. But we had to warn her, people act like that. Uh, we had a worker in the cafe not too long ago get brought to tears because of the way someone went up. By the way, I, I don't know if you're aware of this. Our cafe is run by all volunteers who do it out of a love for God. They don't deserve to be treated that way. But even if they were paid, it shouldn't happen in a church. And we see people acting like that. And when it happens like that, it causes extreme pain. Um, years ago, I was on a softball team. And we had played in the city league, and, and we were playing in the city league, and the biggest reason, so we could witness. And, and so we went to the games knowing that a lot of the other teams might not act the way we would hope they would, and there might be some unsportsmanship, or they might take things to a whole new level. But we went in ready for it, and, and we got a chance to shine as a light in that league. And actually, a lot of times, honestly, there were opportunities to share Christ and invite people to church. Well, we decided we liked playing so well together, we joined a church league. And uh, it was uh, against a team that we were competing with for first place that we were in the midst of a game and a guy was running to second after a hit and the ball was being thrown to the second baseman and he slid hard and he took our second baseman out, which by the way was legal and fine. But the problem was he got up and he started mocking and screaming. He didn't care that the guy might be hurt. He didn't care that, that, that in the midst of the pain of it, he, in, in the moment he's laying there literally not able to get his breath. He was just so in the moment of the victory or something. But as he was doing it, man, all of a sudden we reacted and, and you could just sense that, that we weren't ready for it. Well, the game got worse and worse and worse in the behavior of the other team. And then about the eighth inning, we had a man on our team who, 
Honestly, his body didn't work the way that probably a lot of ours does. And, and yet we had him on the team because we loved him and we wanted him to be a part. And so his arm didn't work right and he always kind of ran with the limp. And he went to go out to, to right field. And as he was running out, the other team, a church team, mocked him. And all of a sudden, man, we almost ended up in this fight. A guy from our team ran and screamed at them. They yelled back, and we had to pull people away. And the only fight we almost had was in a church league. Later on, we got everybody together and said, we can't act that way. And, and everyone started talking about how the other team shouldn't act that way. And, and I think the reason we were so caught off guard is because it was a church league. When someone says they're a Christian and they act that way, it hurts. When someone says they're a pastor and they act in an unchristian way, it creates a, 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 a more devastating situation. And Jesus said, beware. Beware that the Pharisees aren't for real and they're not acting correctly. Beware that not everyone who says they're a Christian are. And that's why Paul in 2 Corinthians 11, 14 and 15 said, No wonder, for even Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. Therefore, it is not surprising if his servants also disguise themselves as servants of righteousness, whose end will be according to their deeds. Now, God is saying, I'm not going to let them get away with it. I'm not, I want you to know they will. They will pay the price for it, either by not being blessed and not getting a reward from God, or even more, that God one day will hold them accountable even in a more extreme way. But what we need to understand is not everybody who says they're Christians are. And so be aware of that. On the other hand, we need to understand that not everyone who's a Christian acts correctly anyway. I mean, we're all human. We all have those moments. We all have those times. And hopefully, we're honest enough with ourselves that we don't start pretending we're something that we're not. And so when you blow it or I blow it, I hope that we give grace to one another. I, I hope that we give a willingness to say that's why Jesus died on the cross for our sins because none of us can be perfect. But the problem very often is that we're not willing to be transparent. We feel like we've got to act like that we're perfect or we've got to act like we're something we're not. And it's really interesting to note that when God began the nation of Israel and brought the people through the Exodus wandering and brought them into the promised land, that one of the things that happened is they were in the midst of a battle and all of a sudden they lost this battle and they turned to God and said, God, why did we lose? And God's answer was because there's sin in the camp. Somebody had done something and they were hiding it in their tent. They shouldn't have been doing it. They had taken something they shouldn't, pretending something they were not. And so God exposed it. And a great defeat happened. Why? Because people pretended outwardly they were okay, but inwardly they weren't. When you fast forward all the way to the book of Acts and God began the church... The church became this loving group of people who cared for one another and loved one another. And they started selling everything they had and, and, and sharing it together to make sure no one had a need. And then there was a man named Ananias and his wife Sapphira. And they sold a piece of land. And they came and brought the money to the apostles and gave it to them. And they said, all of the money from the land that we got, we're giving to you. And it was a lie. They, they, they had kept a portion back for themselves. And so God struck Ananias dead on the spot and, and they carried his body out and his wife Sapphira came not knowing what had happened and she stood before Peter and Peter said, did you really sell the land for this amount of money? And she said, yes, we did. And he looked at her and he said, why would you lie? Why would you lie to God and lie to the Holy Spirit? He says, when you sold the land, the money was yours. You could have done as you pleased. You've lied to God. And now the men who carried your husband's body out are coming for you too. And she died. Um, there was a pastor one time who was preaching that sermon. And he said, 
I don't know about you, but I am so glad that God doesn't kill people for lying in our day like he did in Ananias and Sapphira's day. And he said, if that were true, where would I be? And all of a sudden, people started laughing, and he realized what he had said. And he said, I'll tell you where I'd be. I'd be preaching to an empty church. <laughs> the, the bottom line is, is, all of us are that way. There isn't anybody here who's always perfect, and we need to realize that. And so we should give grace to one another. But that does not excuse, it does not allow us to ever be somebody who tries to pretend we're something we're not. Beware that we don't do what we do to be noticed by men. That doesn't mean you have to keep everything hidden. It doesn't mean we're not allowed to pray in public. It doesn't mean we're not allowed to fast together. Uh, we need to bring a balance to this. Jesus even uh, uh, said these words early on in Matthew chapter 5. He said, let your light shine before men in such a way they may see your good works and glorify your fathers in heaven. So it isn't that people uh, shouldn't know we care for the poor. It isn't that people shouldn't know that we're fasting or we're doing that together. Or it's not that we can't pray. As a matter of fact, Jesus prayed publicly in John 11 uh, verses 41 and 42 and when he was getting ready to raise Lazarus he said these words he said father I thank you that you've always heard me and I know that you always hear me but because of the people standing around I said it so they may believe you've sent me the problem isn't that we can't pray or we can't fast or, or we can't give to the poor and have someone know or see the problem is when we do it for the wrong reason when we do it to be noticed by others, when we do it so they'll applaud us and thank us. I hope that we're a church, a family that is always appreciative of the people around us. I hope you are and I hope I am. I hope whenever you've done something here, we've gone and shown you their love, shown you appreciation, shown you care. I hope we've cheered for you at some point. But I want to have you know that if that's the reason you do what you do and that's the reason I do what I do, there's something wrong with that. If you've ever been someone who said, well, you know what, I'm tired of doing all this and no one seems to notice or care, let me be really clear, that probably tells you a lot about your motives. I had a person one time say to me, you know, I'm going to leave the church because, man, I've done all these things and nobody's ever said thank you. And while I, I don't think that's okay, I don't think it's okay we don't say thank you, the truth of the matter is it, it isn't the reason you should do what you're doing. It says a lot about our heart, a lot about our lives. If we have to be noticed, we have to be appreciated, we have to, to be thanked. While those things should happen, that's not who we should be. And uh, um, I'm not so sure. There isn't times where God has done this for me and done this for you, that God has blinded someone to what we've done so that they don't thank us, so we get a chance to see who we really are. Uh, uh, it's very possible that what you're getting angry at is God himself who said, I want to show you who you really are on the inside. Because if you're doing what you're doing so people will notice, you're doing what you're doing so people will cheer you on and applaud you, he says you're doing it for the wrong reason. Though Jesus said, people ought to see the good we do and give glory to God, not to us. And, and, and we need to make sure our motives are right, that, that our hearts are right. And, and so that's why Jesus warns us in Matthew 5, verse 20. He goes, our righteousness needs to surpass that of the scribes and the Pharisees. If not, we will not enter the kingdom of heaven. We need to be people who don't go around always wanting to be noticed. In Mark chapter 7, verses 6 to 9, Jesus said this. He said, rightly did Isaiah prophesy of you hypocrites. Now notice he's calling him a hypocrite. Why? 
He goes, as it is written, these people honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. But in vain do they worship me and teaching his doctrine, the precepts of men, neglecting the commandment of God. He says, you hold to the tradition of men. And he was also saying, you are experts at setting aside the commandment of God in order to keep traditions. He goes, you're doing all these things for the wrong reason. Your hearts aren't in it. You might say the right things. You might even be trying to do the right things. And he goes, but it's a vain thing that you're doing. It's empty, and God himself sees it. He wants us to be people who do the right things. As a matter of fact, it's interesting in the section of the Sermon on the Mount, the word when is used six times. Talking about when you give to the poor and when you fast and when you pray. It's an expectation we'll do that. But the problem is if we're doing it to be noticed by men. The Pharisees were to a point that when they gave to the poor that some would even sound a trumpet. So people knew what they were doing. Why? So they would be noticed. Not to encourage others to join with them, but they would be acclaimed for it. And Jesus said, then that's all you're ever going to get is that momentary thing happening. God's never going to honor what you do. Uh, When they prayed, it says they stood and made long, long prayers, really being more concerned about the words they were saying than about what they were saying and making sure it was right. Uh, There's a danger if we get in here and I get ready to lead in prayer and and I want to make sure I'm I'm saying it in such a way that everybody goes, oh, that was a great prayer. Uh, Tony Campolo tells of a time that he had gone up and led prayer in front of the church and when he was done, a woman walked up to him. And she said, Dr. Campolo, do you realize that you made seven grammatical errors when you prayed? And he looked at her and said, lady, I wasn't talking to you. <laughs> and, and the problem is we need to be people who aren't putting on a show. And, and you know, while we want to do things with excellence, we can't be people who drift in to having an outwardness that's not in, with integrity to who we are inwardly. When we do it wrong, we lose. When we do it wrong, we're not blessed. And when we do it wrong, it can hurt. Um, one of my dearest friends um, really got on fire for Christ, and his dream was to win his little sister to the Lord. He was in college, and when he came home from college, he tried to share with her and witness to her, and, and she just didn't want to hear it. And as a matter of fact, she got more angry and more agitated about it, and, and he just kept wanting to talk with her and wanting to share with her. Uh, part of the problem, she was dating the wrong guy, and she was getting involved in some of the wrong things. And the more he tried to hold her accountable in a loving way and to, to rescue her from it, the more angry she got. And she kept saying, you're not my mom, and you're not my dad, and you need to stay out of it. And, and, and she didn't like going to church, and she didn't like, and, and, and it got to, to sometimes to be pretty heated. And one night, uh, she had done something she shouldn't have done, and he went in, and he tried to reach out to her, and she turned on him, and he tried to respond back, and she screamed at him and yelled at him and started cussing at him, and she cussed out God, and she said she could see the hurt in his face, and he walked through the bathroom they shared to go back into his room, and she was sitting there, and she got more angry, and all of a sudden, she came storming in just to really give it to him one more time. But when she opened the door, she could hear him talking, and she was afraid someone else was in there, so she got quiet. And she looked in, and he was on his knees, and he was praying, and he was crying. And uh, she, she later on told me, she said, you know what? You know, our, the home we were raised in, my mom and dad always went to church, and they took us to church. When we got home, they weren't real. She goes, I realized when I watched my brother pray and cry for me, the person who had just attacked him, I realized it was real. And that night... She slipped over beside him, put her arm around him, hugged him, asked him for forgiveness. She said, I want to be right with God. I want to give my life to Christ. I want to have what you have. And that night she made her commitment to Christ. It was a life-changing moment. 
It led to her breaking up with a guy that wasn't good for her. It led to her going to the right college. It led for her choosing a whole new career path that today she's flourishing in. It led to her meeting the right man. And you know what happened is when my friend was on his knees praying in secret, God in heaven looked down and began to reward what he had just done. When you and I are for real, God blesses it. The prayers get heard and answered. When we're for real, people notice the difference. Nobody likes us putting on the show. And right now, if you're listening to this, it might be that you are wondering whether it's real. I want to tell you it is. Now, lots of times Christians might let you down. We might not show the right picture of who Jesus is, but I want you to know he's real and he will never let you down. And the reason he died on the cross is because it's very difficult for us to ever live it continuously. That doesn't make it okay when we mess up, but I want to tell you that if you've ever said, well, I just don't want anything to do with Christ because of how somebody's acted, then you're viewing and looking at the wrong thing. By the way, if you feel like sometimes people haven't noticed you, they haven't cared about you, I, I want to tell you that, that you're looking at the wrong thing. We need to focus and view what matters. And you know what matters? Is are you letting God love you? Are you letting him care for you? Are you being somebody who really are is his? And, and you know, Jesus loves you so much that he wants to call you into that kind of life. Did you notice that three different times Jesus talked about the idea of God's reward? God is a rewarder of those who seek him. God is a blesser of those who are his. God wants to pour love. He wants to pour amazing things into your life. But if we're going to experience it, we can't be half-hearted and we can't be fake. So here's the question we've got to ask. I need to ask myself, you need to ask this of you. Are you really his? Do you really know him? Are you really living your life for him? Do you really pray and mean it? Do you really worship him? Are you really experiencing him? I was talking with a guy one time who had been a church, attending church for a while, and I looked at him and I said, well, let me ask you the question. Are you really living a personal, intimate relationship with Christ and he said these words. He said, I think so. And I said, well, then there's a problem. If you are, it's so real. You don't think so. It's real. I mean, you don't have, if I, you said, am I married to Pam? I don't go, well, I think so. I know it. And you know what? When you're in a real relationship with God, you know it. So here's the question. Do you know it? Do you know what's real? Do you know his love? Do you know his leading? Do you know his guidance? Is it real for you? If it's not, if this is your first time ever listening to anything about Christ or if you've heard it a hundred million times, if not, now, today, it can be real. How does that happen? By surrendering yourself to the Lord, by calling out to Him, by opening up your heart to Him. And so right now, I want to ask you, if you would like to have that real relationship, I'm going to ask you to open up to Him. How do you do it? By praying. Just like my friend's sister slipped down and said, help me. He said, all right, let's start praying and talking to God about it. Right now, if you want to come to Christ or you need healing in your life, uh, if you've got hurt and pain and, and you need his touch and love and comfort, I'm going to ask you right now to open up to him, whether it's your very first time to do it or whether you need to recommit and just make sure you're right with him. And here's what you need to do, pray a prayer. And I'm going to ask you right now to pray this prayer with me. Say, Lord Jesus, I know you love me. And I know you died on the cross to forgive me of my sins, to heal me of my hurt, to free me from my fear, to make me alive, to make me new, and to make me yours. And I say yes, I want this. 
and I want you. So I open my heart to you. Please fill me with your love and fill me with your spirit and help me be who you've created me to be and to live the life you have for me to live. And this I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. And if you prayed that prayer, God bless you. We're so excited for you, but God is even more excited for you. And welcome to the incredible life.